Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1, when Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was about 10, um, we were on a family holiday in a Scottish seaside town. That's where we tended to have our holidays. We enjoyed... um, We had great fun swimming in the sea. I got used to swimming in the North Sea, so the Lido in the summer here is warm in comparison. But we had our holidays on the, usually on the east coast of Scotland. And and this particular summer, I think it was Montrose that we were in, and we were there as a family, my mum and dad, myself, and two younger brothers. My dad was... um, ordained. He was a rector of an Episcopal church in Scotland and so for most of his year he was quite serious, quite sensible. He wore um, black and a dog collar constantly from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed, even on his day off. But on holiday he sort of relaxed and he had this interesting interest. He enjoyed talent shows. He was musical and When he was a young man in Glasgow, he played uh, the piano in a dance band. He used to play the piano quite a lot at home and enjoyed um, writing his own things. He played the guitar and enjoyed singing. And so he loved on holiday, whenever there was a chance, to take part in a talent show. So this was on in this, you know, seaside um, summer in Scotland. You can't often be outside, so you arrange lots of activities indoors. And so the town organised a talent show. And we were all dragged along and my dad entered. Well, when it came for him to go up onto the stage, my two brothers and myself asked my mum if we could leave at that point. (laughs) She said, no, you have to sit through it. And we pushed ourselves as far 
down in the seats as possible so that nobody could see us while my dad sang Jimmy Crack Corn and I Don't Care on the stage. And I remember when he came and sat back with us, this sense of how long do we give it before we sit up and acknowledge that actually he belongs with us. And I was mortified, as any 10-year-old child would be, at my father standing up in stage, the most embarrassing thing ever. I wanted to pretend I did not belong to him. I wanted to be anywhere else other than there. At that moment in time, I did not want to be his daughter. And I tried to deny who I was. Hands up, that's what I did. Our passage today is about that very thing. It's about temptation. And in our series, we're spending some time thinking about how we know Jesus, all the different aspects of him. And in this passage, first Sunday of Lent, we're thinking about Jesus and temptation. Because Jesus was divine but was also human. And Jesus was tempted as we all are. And we often think of temptation as, will I just have that second piece of cake? Or will I just, um, whatever, you know, sneak a little white lie in here? But actually, temptation in its truest form is what we see in this passage. And it is about Jesus being tempted to deny who he truly is. That is what the temptation is about. It comes in different forms, and we'll look at the different forms it comes in. But at the heart of the temptation from the devil to Jesus at this point is this cry. Are you truly the Son of God? Are you truly who you say you are? And that is very, very powerful. And that is a temptation that each one of us faces constantly. You might want to have it open in front of you. It's page 967 in the Pew Bibles. And when we turn to scripture, it's good to see where this episode takes place and and what is surrounding it. Chapter 3 of Matthew speaks about the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus we think of as the start of Jesus' ministry. He has always been the Son of God, but at around the age of 30, it is time for him to begin the ministry that the Father has in mind for him. And it starts with his baptism, that sort of commissioning him into ministry. And at the baptism, the final words of chapter 3, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is loved by God and God is well pleased with him. He then goes into the desert for 40 days and the devil comes and challenges his identity. He has just had the most powerful experience of his life. And that sense of knowing who he is. And of course, the devil comes right in. Are you truly who you say you are? So let's look at the different tricks that the devil uses. 
So in verse 3, we have the first ploy. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, already there's a doubt creeping in. Are you really the Son of God? Well, well, if you are, tell these stones to become bread. Now Jesus is hungry. There is a natural need. And the devil is just coming right in where it will hurt. Surely, if you're the Son of God, you don't need to be hungry. Surely, your Father wouldn't want you to be hungry. Surely, as the Son of God, you have the right not to be hungry. Can you imagine what is going on in Jesus' mind? Jesus is human. So all of these things will be going on in his mind. So if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You've got an easy solution here. On you go. You don't need to be hungry. If you are the Son of God, you can do something about it. And you don't need to be hungry anyway. Do something. Ploy number one. Ploy number two is verses five and six. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, here are the words. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So, so Jesus, if you are the Son of God, why do you let everyone see it? You've got a ministry here to make yourself known. Here's the obvious way to do it. Really easily. Go up into the top of the temple, throw yourself down, your work will be done, everyone will see that the Father will save you. There you are, done deed. Do something amazing and surely your Father will save you if you are the Son of God. And then ploy number three, verses eight and nine. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I can give you all of this. Take a look. Look at the kingdoms of the world. I can give you them. Very easily, they can be yours. And after all, that is the mission that Jesus has come to do, to to establish God's kingdom on earth. So owning all the kingdoms, being powerful over all the kingdoms, is what he's here to do. And the devil says, here you go, you can do it now. Beginning of your ministry, it can be done. I can give it to you if you bow down and worship me. And of course it's a lie. Because the world, the earth, belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the devil. But here he is again, sneaking his way in. This is yours, if you're the son of God. But only I can give it to you. And I will give it to you now, easily, if you bow down and worship me. So each temptation is digging in at Jesus' true identity. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And each temptation is saying, are you truly the Son of God? Does the Father really love you? Will the Father save you? Will the Father give you what is yours? And these are all targeted. They're hugely appealing. They're insidious. And it would have been easy 
for Jesus to believe that he could be justified in giving in to each of these temptations. But he refuses. He refuses to be tempted. There may have been an internal struggle. We don't see that. But we have to imagine that there would have been. If you are hungry and something is presented before you, you would be tempted. So I don't think it was easy for Jesus to rebut the devil. And that's important for us to remember too. But he does stand strong. He refuses to be pulled away from the life that he's called to. And he refuses to be drawn away from the Father. He holds on to his identity. He remains who he truly is. And the devil leaves. And the angels come and attend him. It's a hugely powerful passage. We often read it at the beginning of Lent. And it's good to think again about what is going on. First, there's a reality of temptation and the devil. Use whatever language you want. But you know you go through life with all sorts of things in your mind. Lies, desires, things that will draw us away from who we truly are. And that is the work of the devil. And we can see it, often we, we link it down just to, to the detail of what those things are. As I say, it might be that cream cake. I think there was an advert, something about it being a sin to, you know, it's a tempting sin to eat the cream cake. We think all the temptations are, are tiny, small little things. And they are, because that's how they come out in reality. But I think it's important to actually realise what temptation is all about and why the devil tempts. The ploys are just the detail. But why is he doing it? Why do we live with this sense of temptation in our lives? And it's because the devil does not want us to be who we truly are. And he wants to distort our true vocation to be God's child. That is what he's doing with Jesus. And Jesus of all people knew who he truly was. And if he was tempted, how much more will we be tempted? We are God's children. That is our identity. Sometimes we want to deny that. Sometimes it's like me watching my dad go up onto the stage and thinking the last place I want to be is here. There'll be times in our lives where actually to stand up and name who we are as a child of God, is the most embarrassing thing and we want to shrink down and make ourselves invisible. Sometimes the temptation will be to be drawn away from the life that God calls us to. To do it in a different way. The devil said to Jesus, okay, so you've got a ministry going on here. You're about to set out and make yourself known. I can do that easily for you if you jump off the temple and surely the Father will save you. So the devil can draw us into things that are not the things that are set out for us. They might be good things that are not the right things for us, but they might be very, very bad things. And he will draw us into a way of living that denies who we truly are. And as Christians, we know the lives 
we should be living. We know what it means to live good lives. It's not easy, but I don't need to stand and tell you how you shouldn't live your lives because you know in your heart the wrong things. And we can be drawn away. And we can be drawn away because they can seem so attractive, so enticing, so appealing, and so justifiable. Oh, it's only... I'll go back to chocolate. It's only just another bit of chocolate. It won't make a difference. It's only whatever it might be. We can deny who we are by shrinking away from the truth because we don't want to acknowledge who we are. We can be drawn away from the life that God calls us to. But we can also be drawn away from the truth and believe the lies of the devil. The third temptation was a lie. The kingdoms of the world do not belong to the devil. They belong to God. And the devil is playing out the part that actually they belong to him and he will give them to Jesus. What are the lies that the devil tells me? You're not very worthy of God's love. Why would God want to use you? Does God even love me? Will he be there for me? In my darkest day? These are the lies that the devil will tell me where I will be drawn away from the truth of what God is speaking over me. And that's another way that I am not being who I truly am because if I listen to the lies of the devil, I am not living as a beloved child of God. Doubts are fine, but when we take on board the lies that the devil tells us, we stop being who we truly are and we deny our identity. And that's what the devil is about. Because why would he want us living as children of God as we truly are? Because the impact of that on the world will be phenomenal. So he just comes in every day Here you go, Debbie, here's another one to think about. And it's when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I can't sleep, when I'm worried. Everything I know goes out. And what I'm feeling is this mess. And does God even exist will sometimes be a question. And if he does exist, what on earth is he playing at? How can I live as a child of God when I listen to the lies of the devil more than I listen to the promises of God? Jesus knew what it was to be tempted. So we should not be surprised that we will face the same temptations. So let's be real about that. And let's see things for how they truly are. Because immediately that will deflect what he's trying to do. There's been times, and I have to be quite strong about this, and often I have to be surrounded by other people supporting me in prayer. But sometimes I can see a situation which is really bugging me, which is getting me down and is causing me sleepless nights. And when I flip it and say, okay, this is the devil trying to have a go, and I name it for what it is, it has lost its power on me. And I've sometimes said out loud, I will not let you take the joy from this situation. I will not let you do it. And speaking out to the devil takes away the power that he has. So 
sounds silly, but actually seeing it for what it is takes away the power that he has over us and allows us to restore our identity of who we truly are. How did Jesus deflect the devil's ploys? He was determined. Am I determined? That's a huge question. Jesus was determined to resist him. No matter what he threw at him, he was determined not to let him win. He used scripture. He was rooted in scripture. He was rooted in knowing who God the Father is. He was rooted in knowing the truth. Am I rooted in my faith in that way? Because the more rooted I am, the more able I am to see the lies for what they are. I need to be rooted. And finally, he was committed. God the Father had commissioned him for a task in hand. We are all commissioned. We are all commissioned to be God's children wherever he puts us. It's a pretty simple ministry that we have. All he says is, be who you are wherever I put you. Are we committed to that ministry? That no matter where I am, no matter what the situation is, I live as a child of God. So my behaviour is the same in church on Sunday as it is in the pub with my friends on a Thursday night. Because I still am the same person. And I committed to that ministry of being God's child wherever I am. I want to read some words from Tom Wright who is a New Testament scholar and has written a lot about um, the Gospels. If ever you want to understand the Gospels better, turn to Tom Wright. All the books of the New Testament, actually, for everyone. The temptations we all face day by day and at critical moments of decision and vocation in our lives may be very different from those of Jesus, but they have exactly the same point. They are not simply trying to entice us into committing this or that sin. Rather, they are trying to distract us, to turn us aside from the path of servanthood to which our baptism has commissioned us. God has a costly but wonderfully glorious vocation for each one of us. The enemy will do everything possible to distract us and thwart God's purpose. If we have heard God's voice welcoming us as his children, we will also hear the whispered suggestions of the enemy. But as God's children, we are entitled to use the same defence as the Son of God himself. Store scripture in your heart and know how to use it. Keep your eyes on God and trust him for everything. Remember your calling to bring God's light into the world and say a firm no to the voices that lure you back into the darkness. That sounds in many ways very simple to actually be able to stand up against. But I want to leave you with some practical things as well. They are the, the main things that we need to think about. Be rooted, keep ourselves focused on Jesus. 
and live the lives that he calls us to. But what does that look like and how can we better do that? Lent is a time of discipline. And historically, people have done a whole lot of different things to try and recalibrate our lives because our lives do go off kilter and we move away from God. And Lent is a season in the church's year to say, here is 40 days where you can actually be more focused and say, I'm going to do something a little bit different to draw myself closer back to God. So I'm really excited that we've got our Lent groups. And I was sitting this week just thinking of the numbers of people that were meeting in different groups all week. It is really exciting to meet new people, to to learn from one another in a different way, to, to study a topic that maybe we haven't thought about before. This is what we need to be doing. And here's a time to do that. And I'm really excited that this is happening. If you're not in a Lent group, I'm sure it's not too late. So if you feel challenged today and think, oh, maybe there's something I could do, to talk to me or to call in afterwards. But there are other things that we can do. And here are some opportunities that are, are coming up over the next few weeks. I want to begin with something that I'm personally doing. I just want to share this with you because it's something I'm finding helpful. But I've decided, um, as I did in Advent, to do something called 40 Acts, which is organised by um, Stewardship a Charity. And it's every day I get sent an email with an idea or a suggestion of how I might think about being generous in my life. And I find this quite refreshing because I grew up giving up things and finding it really hard and actually not wanting to giving up, give up things and, and actually almost resenting Lent because it was this sort of time of having to give everything up. To add something into my life, I find actually really quite exciting and I love the different ideas that come in. Some of them I can't do immediately, but if nothing else, it's making me think in a different way. So on Friday... Um, I can't remember what the challenge was, but I was in Guildford and I suddenly became aware of something else that I could do that wasn't specifically the challenge. But there was a man selling the big issue and I don't buy the big issue. Every time I walk past the seller and just smile and say, no, thank you. And there was a man standing outside Sainsbury's and it was about midday and um, I thought, actually, I'm doing 40 acts. Let me think differently today. And I thought, I will go and buy a big issue. I didn't even know how much it cost. I had to ask him. And, I, and he smiled at me and says, um, he said, um, oh, I'm really pleased you're buying this. You're only my second customer of the day. And it was midday. And I thought, my goodness me, that was a huge challenge to me. That How many times have I walked past the big issue? Every time I go into Guildford, I walk past it. It doesn't mean I'm saying you need to do it. But for me, in my, I'm just trying to explain how this is making me think in a different way. And think about actually stopping, because often I'm too busy to. I'm rushing past. I haven't got time to stop and give you £2.50. But it made me think differently. And if nothing else, even if I can't do the particular challenge, it's making me think in a different way. And I think when I'm being challenged to think in a different way, I'm giving space for God to speak to me rather than the devil to speak to me. So I find 40 Acts is quite helpful. And I want to show you just a short clip of somebody who did the challenge last year and responded to a situation that she was surprised at and how how she felt about it. I'd never gone out of my way to help a stranger before. 
And I was walking home um, with my daughter in her pushchair, and I came across a lady who was really struggling to push a bike that had got a flat tyre. But the lady also had a crutch, and she was really, really, really struggling. And um, so I stopped and said, can I help you? No, no, I'm fine, she said. Sort of being very British, normally I would go, okay, yeah, that's fine, <laughs> and go off. But I think because I was doing 40 acts, I was almost determined to, to give it another chance. She was trying to get to Halfords to get the tyre changed because it was her son's bike and uh, he needed it to get to work because it's his only form of transport. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll go and get my car, and she sort of accepted it. So I rushed up home, got my daughter in the car, drove to find her. She'd sort of struggled down the road about 10 metres. Um, she said she didn't even believe I was going to come back for her. And it turned out that she'd actually um, recently come out of a women's refuge uh, with her two children. And so she'd had a really, really tough time. And, you know, <laughs> I'd have really loved to kind of, looking back, I'd have loved to sort of talk to her a bit more about Jesus. I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> Just kind of made excuses. Oh, I'm not normally this nice, but I'm doing this thing called 40 Acts. And, uh, and just said, you know, just try, try and do something kind for somebody every day. We got to Halfords, she got out of the car, and, and I kind of sat there and felt very strange, really, as I was reflecting on it, because I've never really gone out of my way to help a stranger before. Um, and she came out of the shop and she said, oh, it's, it's going to be 10 or 15 minutes, so you just go. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine, I've got nothing to do, I'll drop you home. And she said to me, nobody's ever done anything like this for me before. And as I sat in the car, just my daughter in the back, just reflecting while she was in the shop, I thought that that was just crazy. Like, it cost me so little. It was like half an hour of my time and a couple of pounds in petrol. And yet to her, it, it was such a big thing. I don't know if I'd have come across her any other way. I don't know if I'd have started chatting to a woman who's sort of recently come out of a refuge. I don't know if I'd have been in that position had it not been for kind of being determined to do something nice today. <laughs> I love 40 Acts, partly because I don't have to give up things that I like, <laughs> like chocolate and things, but it's really nice how inventive you can be with being generous. Some of the things are so easy, but some of them are quite out of my comfort zone, and it's lovely to be able to try different things and, um, and challenge myself in different ways. You know, I love God's extravagance um, and his generosity, and... I think, you know, I think I probably used to be a bit tight and I think, you know, stepping out little ways and being generous, it's actually a really lovely um, journey. That's just one example of a way of being determined and choosing to live in a different way, which helps us deflect what the devil is trying to do with us. If you want to find ways during Lent to do some things, in your notice sheet, you've got uh, a list of resources. These are just examples that, you know, you can go on the internet and find a whole lot more. But I've listed some books because some people like reading a book during Lent and there's some ideas there of particular Lent books for 2017. They help us be rooted in our faith. So this Lent, you might think, actually, I need a little bit to be more rooted. Find a book to read. Darren was saying this morning that he's found a book and is, is reading a book and finding that helpful. But it might be finding a particular book this Lent would be something. Then there's some websites if you prefer things that, that come in and, and help you in that way. There's things with reflections, things with Bible passages, and then 40 Acts Challenge. It doesn't matter what the tool is. 
It's about saying, I know the temptations I face. And one thing that I can do to deflect these temptations is to strengthen my faith and to give space to God to speak in different ways. We started with the reality of temptation. Jesus faced temptation. The temptation he faced was at the really heart of who he was, his identity. Are you truly the son of God? And he was able to be determined to stand strong and to deflect the wiles of the devil. We face those same temptations. Are you truly a child of God? Are you loved by God? Is God there for you? Do you live your life as a child of God? We need to be aware and real about the temptation that exists. Let's not pretend. It's there and we face it every second of every day. Because the devil is whispering to us constantly and will take us away from who we truly are. How do we stand against that? We root ourselves. We stand strong. We are determined. We use our scripture, we use our faith as weapons to hold against him. And we turn a positive response into one that can stand against him. So rather than giving in to the temptation, we fill our lives with things that will help us. And Lent is a time to take on some things that will help us. And you have a whole range of ways this Lent that you can do that. How wonderful on Easter morning to come to church, having set aside Lent as a time of discipline, of spending 40 days, of remembering who we are, of owning that identity, of living as children of God. And coming here on Easter morning and rejoicing in the risen Christ that he lives in our lives.